Satan down I know for sure I'm heaven bound There ain't nothing he can do to stop me It's showtime! Tell me Travis, I'm on my good pal Monoxide How you oh, doing okay. this evening? Oh. Uh, I'm a bit thrown off by the uh, the intro I didn't even know we were starting off But that's yeah, usually how it goes Yeah, I catch you off guard That's usually how these podcasts work We don't really have a format going into these episodes We just take a movie, we watch it, we just discuss it uh, Well, yeah, or if it's a movie that we've seen a billion times You just see it a billion and one time In my case, Devil's Rejects I've seen... Several times? I wouldn't say a million times, but several times, I would say. Yeah, this movie I've seen a handful of times. I think the last time, besides last night seeing it, I would say uh, a couple years ago, probably on like HBO, Cinemax, or one of those channels. They usually show these types of movies late night. This, this, is, this is like a midnight movie. Yeah, this is the second of the Rob Zombie trilogy. Uh, well, so far it's a trilogy, unless he decides to release a fourth film. Uh, which does that be? Uh, he kind of left the third one open ended, but that's for Three from Hell. We can get to that at another point. Yep, uh, this is The Devil's Rejects, a sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses. This is Rob Zombie's second outing as a uh, major motion picture director. This was uh, distributed by Universal Pictures. It seems he has a good relationship with them going so far in his career. Uh, this came out, what is it come out, 2005? 2005 ish because I remember when I heard about this movie. I heard it was a Rob Zombie film, and at the time, I didn't think it was a sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses because of the idea that um, the the name Devil's Rejects just didn't ring with me. Like it, it, it fell under the Army of Darkness. Like if you just hear the name Army of Darkness, you would never suspect that it is a uh, Evil Dead. Uh, movie because just by the name or like Rambo you know just mm -hmm. it, it really had a different name I just thought it had the same actors like because figured Rob Zombie just hired the same exact people for this movie to go forward I, I didn't think it was a sequel no it really wasn't built up as a sequel um yeah like you mentioned the whole army of darkness approach to this film uh the first one I would say was almost more independently made some sorts I mean, it did have a uh, Lionsgate behind it. No, but here, this one, now it had, like, the big Universal logo before the start of the film. So now you know this is, like, a mainstream movie. So, it, and again, Army of Darkness was also distributed by Universal Pictures. So this seems to be, like, a Universal thing whenever they make a sequel. Uh, at least a sequel to, like, a, a, a lesser-budget horror film. They like, they like for it to have its own identity. I don't know if that's a studio decision or that that's just a decision of uh, the creator. I know it was a studio decision when it came to Army of Darkness, at least with the name. I mean, I don't get it because it's like, all right, you're, you're getting behind this project. Obviously, you had some sort of interest in the previous project. And unless you're a movie buff, nobody's going to know like this is a pop. I said it before in one of the previous podcasts that... My grandma didn't even know that Army of Darkness was part of the Evil Dead franchise because of how different the movie was, and the name itself just didn't really give that part away. And it, it's sort of like, I, I remember years back, the Angry Video Game Nerd released a video, Chronologically Confused, where he talks about movies 
they start numbering the sequels and then just out of nowhere they stop numbering them and just give them like subtitles like um what was it alien decided to call the second movie aliens then the third movie was alien 3 and then the fourth one was called alien resurrection you wouldn't know it's the fourth movie unless you actually did some research which i guess isn't hard to do nowadays but to add that extra like element to having to follow what uh, where the movies fall in line like especially with like halloween the halloween franchise the last movie that came out well yeah i think it was the last one that came out a couple years back it's just called halloween people would think that's a remake or an actual original film no it's sort of the sequel to the first movie it is yeah it's it and it only acknowledges the original first carpenter film ignores everything else i got a, well i gotta rewatch this or watch it for the first time just to see what they did with it because this just sounds too ridiculous yeah they, they don't even do it with the harry potter movies like like harry potter prisoner azkaban is that the first movie harry potter chamber of secrets is that the first movie oh no it's a sorcerer's stone how the f am i supposed to know that yeah that one's kind of odd because yeah that was a book series before it became a movie series but yeah it's it's not that good if you um don't number them at least because now again you leave the audience confused unless they actually do some research which i guess uh, somebody's going to be like stop being lazy do some research but no but yeah i mean if you're a follower of the fans of the books and you know that's no problem to you that's just a walk in the park but for let's say my grandmother was to see the movie because she was impressed by the trailer she's like is this the first one the second, the third one, how many of these movies are there, you know? And then you gotta explain to them, you know, the story, the chronological order, and I, I never read the book series, so I don't know either. <laughs> so, you'll be training me as well. I mean, I guess it, it, Halloween is kind of an odd example, because at least with Harry Potter, the movies follow it themselves in chronological order, there's no prequels, it's literally one through eight whereas halloween it's a little bit fucking convoluted because they keep either saying well these movies aren't canon but this one is like they keep switching on which movie is canon and which isn't canon like uh they did the same thing with texas chainsaw massacre there was one that came out a few years back that uh was supposed to be uh the follow-up to the second texas chainsaw massacre or the first one i forget the, and i'm talking the original not the the remake with jessica beale and then they did a, a prequel to that one it's like all these movies are jumbled I, i'm surprised they're still we were talking about this on the other podcast about the whole texas chainsaw series yeah the last one you mentioned i think it was called texas chainsaw 3d well no no i think they did another one after that oh fuck i'm, I'm even confused the one, yeah, the one that I'm talking about, the story that's involved involves uh, a group of people that thought or you thought were the good guys, but then you come to establish that they're actually the bad guys and Leatherface is the good guy. I, oh, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's weird how Universal does this. I don't know why they do this. I mean, it's not the worst thing, but I mean, if you're going to market the movie, you would, I don't, I, I don't, yeah, the marketing, because I remember they aired a marketing of it for a One Night Stand 05. That was, that was one of the sponsors was this movie. And they, I don't remember them making any mentions of House of a Thousand Corpses. Or even mention of the Firefly family. Well, that's where the sequel comes in. Like, there's a lot of things weird with this movie. Uh, right from the get-go. Like, there's a lot of characters that are missing 
throughout this whole film. Uh, for example, the one I guess we could talk about right away because he is in the deleted scenes is uh, Doctor Fate. Yes. Um, in the beginning of the film, the cops raided the Firefly Farm, which, by the way, the farm looks different from the first movie. Yeah, they shot at a different location. It looked more of almost like a desert western type area compared to the first one. It looked like the house, which is buried somewhere in the woods. Yeah, that and obviously some of the actors have changed. Yes, not just the mother. Yeah, uh, there's the Odin or Rufus. I think is different. Yeah, Rufus is played by uh, Tyler Maine. He played he played Michael Myers in the uh, Rob Zombie Rob Zombie Halloween. He's also a former wrestler. Uh, yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. They that movies t- time from time get like wrestlers to play real menacing characters. Like, didn't The Godfather have uh, one of the characters play or, or wrestler play a character in The Godfather? It was um, Luca Brazzi. Yes, actually a wrestler. He was a wrestler. Uh, he used to work for the mafia, actually. Well, okay. Well, that was the perfect movie for him then. Uh, and uh, obviously, one of the more famous ones was uh, Kevin Nash's Shredder, or Super Shredder in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, I think. And then, obviously, the guy who played Bane in Batman and Robin. Ever so classic one with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yes. But yeah, this movie uh, changed a lot of the actors that were supposed to be. I mean, they did obviously get the three main people, Sid Haig, Sherry Moon, and um, Bill, Bill Mosley. Yeah. And they obviously got the guy who played Tiny, and I think this was his final role as Tiny, to be honest. Yes, it was. He uh, he passed away, I believe, a month after its release. Yeah, that's quite strange, because um, it, it, it was strange, because the, I think he was in another film... Uh, I think it was Big Fish. The Tim Burton movie, yes. Uh, yeah, so he was on the cusp of having that, I guess, Andre the Giant type of status. Mm-hmm. But, obviously, he passed away at a very young age. Died even before Andre the Giant died. And, uh, he didn't really play a large role in this film, either. Like, he, he was in the beginning of the film where he's grabbing one of his victims, and then you see him in the end... And that was that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know what his health... I don't know if he was having health issues during production. Uh, and Rob Zombie maybe just figured, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll just cut your scenes. Or he decided to just cut his scenes. Because uh, I know Rob Zombie's not too big of a fan when it comes to doing rewrites of his movies. But eventually, he probably did it here. He definitely did it in the third one, which we'll get into in the next review. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm, maybe... Maybe just, I guess they just couldn't fit Tiny. Tiny would stand out more if you would have ran away with the Firefly family. Well, that and the guy doesn't really speak. He doesn't have any dialogue. So I guess he would have just been there. Like, how else can you use him? But <laughs> in the first movie, you were trying to establish this whole family. And now you've been relegated to four members. Because Mother Firefly is here, played by a different actress. But I'm just puzzled like the, uh, the way they described it from what i understand the grandfather who the real actor passed away before they could even get to devil's rejects he didn't want to replace him no out of respect but why was he so quick to replace mother firefly then i don't know i think he was offended by uh karen black because basically she wanted more money to come back and i don't know if rob's arm just felt offended by that or just like felt like you know like really 
and he just figured, no, fuck it, we'll just replace her with someone else. I, you know, and she did good. Oh yeah, she was fine. I had no problems with this actress. I mean, uh, to be fair, I thought she was a little bit more animated than the original. I think the Karen Black did that was the original. Um, I thought she was better personally because I didn't think she was. She was animated, but I didn't think she was over the top animated like this uh, newer version was. Mm. But I mean, if you have no other choice and you have to get a replacement, then yeah, I guess the one they uh, replaced her with was the best option. Yeah, but she does die halfway throughout the film, so yes, I, I think that's another reason why Rob Zombie, I guess, didn't want to increase her salary. You figure, you know what? You're really not in the movie this much. Why am I going to pay you so much more to do to do even less? Um, was she in? I mean, I guess you could say her role in uh, House of Thousand Corpses was bigger. Yeah, she has. She did have more scenes in the first one, yes, than the second one. The second one, she gets captured and she's in prison. Yeah. But I wouldn't necessarily say that she was completely useless because she did have her importance in that film. Uh, obviously, she she played uh, sort of like the barrier of how this guy just completely snaps and just decides he's going to just kill the fuck out of these uh, Firefly people because of what they did to... Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. The guy that virtually uh, is the star of this film or the protagonist is the brother of the cop that was killed in the first film. Yeah, Sheriff Widow, played by William Forsyth. Forsyth. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. So, yeah, he, he played a way more sinister character than his brother in the first film, but I guess that's to be expected because he's going for revenge in this whole entire process. But I guess what Mother Firefly was there for was to show how ruthless this guy was going to be in trying to kill the whole entire Firefly family, which is only four of them, and then after her... Well, there's five of them, and then after them, it's four. I'm trying to include Tiny because he's theoretically not dead yet. Uh, he just disappears. But, uh... There's uh, one deleted scene in particular that involves another Firefly with Dr. Satan, and it's quite unusual to say the least, because it's on one hand, it gives some sort of like closure to Dr. Satan and where he was, but on the other hand, it was so unrealistic that no wonder he decided to just remove this from the final cut of the film. Yeah, it, it, uh, it, I agree with the decision to cut it from the film. Uh, maybe maybe a little explanation or a line or two of what actually... I don't, I, maybe they did show like Dr. Singh being captured or or like during like the opening monologue. The montage. you can see Dr. Satan being carried away on a gurney when they're uh, carrying all the bodies out on the news footage. Mm -hmm. But still, it's just like... I get that this film was supposed to be a different vibe, but to just have no explanation to who was technically the main source material to the first film is just kind of odd to me. Yeah, because you mentioned that they showed Dr. Satan. I didn't see it, actually. I've seen the movie, but I don't remember that. It must He must have been on screen for like maybe two seconds. It's, it must yeah, like it's a, one like of a those, boom, boom. If, you, if you blink, you miss him. Yeah, that's, come on. That's, yeah, it's one of those, like, weird, put it this way, uh, there's one movie I want to talk about at some point that kind of correlates to what we're saying, uh, Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows, 
Yes. There's a lot of source material that does include the first film in that. But it's one of those you really have to pay attention because at the time, there were hidden clues throughout the movie. And if you figured those clues out and you submitted them to the website, you won some sort of prize. But it's th it's that type of like arbitrary puzzle piece that you would never figure out unless you're really, 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 really paying attention. And with Doctor Satan being carried out by Gurney, yeah, it's one of those like you got to be really paying the fuck attention. Yeah, so so this guy Doctor Satan gets captured in the deleted scene. They show him in a hospital bed, uh, you know, being taken care of by a nurse and a doctor. One of those nurses being played by uh, Rosario Dawson. Which is uh, odd. I think it's the only time she's ever appeared in a Rob Zombie film. Mm -hmm. And you know she's a very well-known actress, so it's kind of it's it's a little weird seeing a well-known actress doing a scene that gets you know deleted. It's her only scene in the film. I'm not sure how big she was, how well-known she was by this point, by what 05? I mean uh, she was. I mean she wasn't like on a on like a Scarlett Johansson level, but she's still relatively well-known. People people forever. This one, yeah, this was before. So this was before, no, no, excuse me. This was after Men in Black 2, because she was in that. But this was before yeah. Clerks 2. Mm -hmm. I think Clerks 2 came out a year after. I, I haven't checked out a lot of Rosario Dawson's filmography, so um, it's quite hard for me to uh, process like exactly which films she was in that I could remember if they were before or after when her big pinpoint career moment was but uh yeah this was this was her only role in the film was dr satan which gets deleted so yes. she got she got the michael berryman treatment for crow basically yeah that's a good way to put it um it's a short little scene uh they have dr satan again as i mentioned in the bed taking care by a nurse Dr. Satan uh, grabs her by the throat and basically um, rips her throat out. And then yeah, they with put... With his bare hands. With his bare hands. Or his bare hand. And, and then... Yeah, and then uh, they put Dr. Satan to sleep in the bed. It gave, you know, they put him a ne needle in him, put him to sleep. And then that was the end of that scene. Yep. That was the end of Dr. Satan. Or that was their explanation to Dr. Satan. Uh, okay. Sure. Yeah, that's as you my, mentioned... That's, that's my main gripe, because there's no explanation. No explanation. That was the last time you've ever seen Dr. Satan in this uh, Firefly story. Had they kept the scene in the movie, they definitely would have to uh, include Dr. Satan more. Besides that one scene, we'll have to know what happens next. I mean, okay, they put him to sleep. Then what? Did they put him in a special room? Did they lock him up? I mean, you know, what, what's happening with him? I think that's my main gripe with the Rob Zombie trilogy here is that there are certain elements that just he said didn't work for this film. Like, okay, you can't do certain elements in house that you can do in Devil's Rejects because they're different vibes. So like with Dr. Satan, for example, because this film is such a different vibe, let's just not even address the character altogether. Like, what? Yeah. He was a main center point. Like, why are you not going to even like bring him up? It's one thing you don't bring up the victims because they weren't, I, I mean, they were the center point, but they're dead at this point. I'm using the word point way too much. Uh, so <laughs> why just not even address it? Same thing with Grandpa, okay? The real actor died, so you leave no explanation to his disappearance in the films because for all we know, the guy's supposed to either still be alive or whatnot. 
there's just things that are not addressed that is like it's frustrating to know they're not uh in the movie um the time setting was there like a time gap in between the first and the second film um shit i think this is supposed to take place in the second one i think they said 1977 so yeah it may have been okay so if the second one's in 1977 it might have been three years I think the first one was supposed to be in 74, 75. I can't, because the third one, Three from Hell, I think it's supposed to take place in the 80s. It's supposed to be like 10 years after the fact. Because they're all captured, they're in jail and all that stuff. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure when the time, but it's nowhere near as long. It's just that there's no explanation to some of these character disappearances. Oh, Earl, there's another one. The, the guy with the weird ass face, the... The red shit all over his face. He looks like a deformed alien. Yes. No explanation to his disappearance. Nope. I, come on. Like, I want some conclusions to these characters. Okay. We want to center it around these characters because they are the most notable. Alright. Fair enough. But you're not going to explain what happened to Earl? At all? Nothing. So, Okay. Sorry, the first movie, let's see, October 30th, 1977. That's where the time is supposed to take place in. That's that. That's House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, Devil's Rejects, May 18th, 1978. Well, so, so several months. Okay. Uh, I mean, Otis B. Driftwood looks different. Yes, he grew. He has a goatee now. Yeah, because the explanation was he, he would have just looked way too goofy if he just remained looking like, forgive my politically incorrect... Uh, diagnosis here but he looked like an albino in the first film yes and that look it worked for that for that uh that tone that zombie was going for yeah now yeah. i mean yeah. he's still got hair but yeah the he's hair got... he's he's got more like a greasy blonde hair like a like a dirty blonde a dirty beard roughly he almost looks like a like a like a farmer like a like a farmer punker and he's way more vicious in this one. Like in the first one, he was he was sadistic in a way, but he was much smarter. I, I shouldn't say much smarter, but here he showed more physicality to his victims. I guess, mm -hmm. like more vicious. The first one was more psychological. The second one was more just vicious, more yes. diabolical. Yeah, first, yeah, like you said, the first one was more. It was more like you, he fucks with you mentally. Here he just wants to fuck with you physically. Yeah. And and Cherry Moon looks like she's uh, smoked a little. Uh, <laughs> she smoked a lot more in the first movie than in this movie than in the first one. I I could tell by uh, she's she's aged. Oh yeah, by this point she's what in her mid the, the real actress. She's in her mid thirties at this point. Yeah, let's see. They filmed the two thousand. Uh, let's just say here they filmed early oh five, late oh four. Yeah, so there was a four or five year gap before they filmed the next film the series mm -hmm. and i mean i i don't know she never really wanted to get into acting from what i understand she only did it for her husband so i can't really explain the look thing but the, she still plays the same role like like there's not really much change in my opinion from how she acted in the first film and the second one we'll get to the third one because that's where she really kind of cranks up the the notch of this weird persona that she would play throughout these films but to yeah, me but she, she was fine here yeah she was fine here again just like uh otis they they dirtied her up gave her like a dirty blonde look uh tight very tight shirt t-shirt 
They tried, they, they, you know, they, they, I'm assuming this was either students, as you know, they made her, keep her sexy. Yeah, because why not? Why not? Plus, they're but, filming, they're filming, like, under very hot weather, so. Well, yeah, it's Texas. Is it Texas? Uh, yes, the Texas or California, well, it was, the setting was in Texas, but I think they were actually shooting in California. Yeah, so, the, the movie itself is, like we were talking about, is way different, it's more faster paced. And it focuses more on uh, Baby Firefly, Captain Spaulding, and Otis B. Driftwood. It's they, they are the centerpiece to this film, and it's like a goose chase, in other words. It's like a mouse hunt, if you will, yes. between them and the main pop of the film that we were talking about earlier. Yes, they are, they are your Bonnie and Clyde here. So, this film, it was good. I did enjoy it. But as previously noted, I'm still bothered by the idea that there's just so many different characters that just have no explanation to their disappearance whatsoever. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I was, you know, it was fine. I know a lot of people prefer this over House of a Thousand Corpses. I, I, I don't agree with that. I thought, I thought House was just, just to me, it was more of a unique film. Here, it was more, he was going for like more of a raw look to it. It was more. It was more grounded. He didn't like. There was no like flashiness. I mean, the gore. There, there was gore here, but it wasn't over the top. He didn't like. It wasn't over the top to the point it came off silly. I mean, the most gore we got was from that deleted scene. I mean, put it this way: Did you honestly think that Universal Studios would have made a Universal attraction based off Devil's Rejects? There's not really much color to this. It's more like. It's got its own tone, but House of a Thousand Corpses had a lot of color. Even if the color was, like, pukish, it was still colorful. It was colorful, film, it was flashy, yeah. I, I'm not saying this film was bad by any means. I still no. enjoyed it, but I just don't enjoy all those different elements that, even to this day, still have not been explained where their whereabouts are. Yeah, there's still, there's not enough explanation. Like, I would have, had they kept that scene, what Dr. Satan, let's say, in the uh, final, in the movie, I would have wanted more Dr. Satan. Because they spent too much time on him in the first movie just to be ignored here. Yeah, the, the first movie, literally, you go watch the trailer, he was mentioned throughout it. So, there's no rhyme or reason that he should have not at least, even if he's in for a short period, or there's some sort of explanation to his whereabouts. There should have been something to give us to be like, okay, this is where he is. Even if it's a crap explanation, I'd rather it be a crap explanation than none at all. Yeah, and I'm sorry, him just appearing in the opening montage for like a second, that's not enough. I, I still missed it. <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess he's supposed to be dead, theoretically, when he's being carried out by the gurney. Yeah. Uh, and I so Satan. I mean, that's the thing. We still don't really know who Dr. Satan was. We All we know is that apparently he worked on and experimented on patients who were mentally ill to see if, what was it, that he can redevelop them into zombies or something? Almost like, almost like reanimate them. Yeah, reanimate them. And they hung his ass. He escaped with no explanation, presumably from the Firefly family, Firefly family. And what was that? That's all we got. Yeah. 
And now and that was good enough. I'm like, great. Now what's what's gonna happen to him now? Now now you gotta give us an explanation. What's gonna happen after we got you know the police carried him away? And and I refuse to believe that Earl Firefly actually died from all that shit falling on top of him. Did you not see that fucking guy? He was huge. He was a he was a beast. Yeah, he was a roided up monster. Like, if I had to choose who Brock Lesnar's next opponent should be, it would have been Earl. <laughs> like, fuck! What the fuck is this? You know how gonna have to do to put him away? I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, it, okay, you fucked up Braun Strowman by making him in a flat. It's hard to fuck a real firefly. <laughs> Come on. I, I okay. I know we're talking wrestling here, and nobody knows what the hell we're talking about because wrestling's such a niche. But Jesus Christ. Earl Firefly dies from all the... It, it, are we pulling a shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles where all this shit fell on top of him and they killed him? But it's the, supposedly that's how he died. Maybe we'd, have put him, maybe we'd have put him down, but not, not down for the count. I mean, the last man standing match, he's getting up at least by six. <laughs> yeah, probably before that. <laughs> He probably he's probably no selling like the spear like 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 all right if Kevin Nash had, or Scott Hall tried to taser him he would have no sold it he would have just like turned around like Kane and just like been like you just, like you ever see that video uh, what was it the Disneyland fight where yes. this dude yeah where he turns around and says you just hit my bubble bitch that's what he would have done <laughs> yeah just turn around and be like. Yeah, you would just turn around and be like, you just did my mother, bitch! And then just fucking fuck these guys up. <laughs> Come on. I, I'm done. I'm done with this. But yeah, it's basically... Uh, uh, William Forsyth, his sheriff character, is basically in Tommy Lee Jones' fugitive mode. I gotta cap. We gotta capture these criminals by enemies necessary. He was fine here. He was, he was good. He was... Uh, I mean, I loved it when he snapped. Yeah, he showed a ruthless side, which was cool. Yes. Uh, we have other characters here. We have the Bounty Hunters, uh, Danny Trejo, and Diamond Dallas Page. Oh my god, those two should have had more in this film. They were fucking fantastic. Like, yes. the little time that they had, they were a great pair. I wish they would have done uh, a spin-off movie, or Rob Zombie could have done a spin-off movie with just these two and explaining how they, these two got together. Mm -hmm. Well, we did get a follow-up on Trejo's character, at least in Three from Hell. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that fucking movie. I can't wait. But yeah, we get them. Uh, any other characters? Uh, Brian, Brian Pazine, the comedian. He was there for a cup of coffee. He was, he was the one that got shot in the motel room. Who was the guy that was such a huge mark for the, the Marx family? This is where oh, they no. find out that all, yeah, the, all the names came from the Marcho, uh, the Groucho Marx family. Uh, I... He looks familiar. Like, for whatever reason, this family was so inspired off the Groucho Marx name that every single fucking character they had to name the whole entire family out of. Okay. Which is weird, because there was no Marx... Because in the first movie, I mean, they were watching TV, they were watching, like, the Monsters, uh, and whatever silent films they were showing, but I don't remember any references them showing anything Marx, you know, any Marx pictures related. Just their names. Yeah, just their names here in the second film. 
Well, that's their names in the first films too, but yeah, but there was like no reference to like them like watching like their stuff on like television, like no uh, Easter eggs. No, is yeah. What were they watching? What they were they watching when Chris Hardwick was tied up and they start throwing knives? Uh, the monsters. Oh, that's when they're watching monsters. Oh, wow. I mean, that, I mean, they hinted that you know they're fans of like old school cinema. Like, you remember the scene, uh, who's my favorite actress? And she was like, no, Betty Davis. Uh, oh, yeah. And when she's singing that weird-ass song. Uh, this is when uh, they, they were doing the show, the Eat Your Wife's Pussy! Yes, that was uh, Helen... What's that singer's name? Uh, Give me a line. Unless it's the Raptor Pack, I couldn't tell you who the hell they are. Uh, the singer, I'm looking it up right now. I, I, I had it in my head. Helen Kane. I know uh, Betty Boob in the old Betty Boob cartoon. She also, I think Hella Kane did the voice for that song, too. When Betty Boob sang that same song. Have I ever told you that Betty Boob used to give me nightmares? Really? Oh, yes. That's a long fucking story. I don't know if I want to put people into a torture mindset. Well, let me ask you this. Is, is it because of the shape of her head? Partially. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the shape of her head. I guess it's the same way, like, like just that old style, the 1930s cartoons, that the, the way they were, the way they would move in animation. You know, like, it's it's a real more rough-edged uh, animation back in those days, the mm -hmm. 30s. That probably also played a role into it. Okay. And, and it wasn't even specific nightmares, like, like, oh, she's out to get me type. Just weird shit. Boop, boop, beep, beep. Yeah, because there, uh, there was one cartoon of Betty Boop I used to watch where she's going over to the Grampy's house, and he, he has this weird house where uh, he allows a bunch of strangers that she just happened to like meet up along the way, and they go to his house and just allows them in, and has all these weird technology things in his place that he can somehow operate that nobody else can but okay we're, we're off track <laughs> yeah this, this is us this is, when i get to playing breath of the wild this is how it all turns out yes. <laughs> yes overall where, where would you place this movie as far as like quality in rob zombie's filmography well, I would say this is his second film, so probably this is probably his second best film. Besides, you know, there's a lot of un, uh, no really big explanations of what happens to basically almost everyone in the first movie. Um, I still enjoyed this. Um, oh, I forgot to mention the other cast members. We got Ken Forey. Most fans may know him from uh, Keenan and Kel. I. It's weird to me because Ken Forey and Keenan and Kel, if you remember, he plays like this miserable dad because of uh, Kel. <laughs> so I always imagine him angry. So it's just weird seeing him happy in this film in any way, shape, or form. Because he plays such an angry dad so freaking well. Yeah, because that was my first exposure to him mostly growing up. And I didn't see the original Dawn of the Dead till middle school. And seeing him there was like a, a completely breath of fresh air because I'm not because I'm so again like you said it's being like a mean dad, and in that movie he's just like super chill. And later finding out that he's he's a horror legend 
more so than that dad on Nickelodeon. Well, it's sort of like when people came to the realization when they were watching Full House and found out that Bob Saget, who played this clean-cut dad, is one of the more vulgar comedians to ever exist. That that still amazes me. Yeah, they. I really want to know where they came out to casting when they were like, okay, let's see here. We need somebody who's going to be a clean-cut dad. Uh, let's go through some stand-up comedians. Oh, this guy here who's constantly talking, making dick jokes and, and vulgarity up the ass. Yeah, he'd be perfect for this. He'd be per and he, and he nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Bob Saget. Yeah. Okay. Bob Saget's the man, I'm not gonna lie. He is. I've seen I've seen some of his stand up. He's very he's very good. Honestly, he's probably quite underrated. I think that's a stand up comedian. Uh yeah, but back to Devil's Rejects. I enjoyed this film because, again, what the stuff that it did right, it did pretty well. It, they yeah. had a protagonist who wanted to see him beat the shit out of these three individuals that killed his brother. So it was well-deserved. But at the same time, the way they kill off the cop was just kind of anticlimactic, where Tiny just comes out of nowhere and just breaks, breaks his neck. Now, in the beginning of the movie, when Tiny was carrying off uh, one of his victims, as you mentioned, the cops were coming by, but he was in the woods, so the cops didn't see him. So, therefore, Tiny never got captured. Right. Now, was Tiny in those woods the entire time while they were raiding the house? Probably. Now, where he was after they left, he probably went back to the house, got some food, I don't know. But he was he must have been in those woods chilling. He must know how to survive out there on his own. Tiny seemed to be a victim of circumstance. Yeah. You see him in the first film, he's super harmless. Mm -hmm. He doesn't really, like, try to be vicious in any way, shape, or form. He just is what he is. And who knows if in the second film, if that person that he's carrying was his victim. Could have been just a dead body that one of his uh, family members killed, and he just happened to grab it. I know I'm grasping for straws here. Yes, I mean, I mean, I mean I pro him probably probably carrying dead bodies is just what he always does. And here in the beginning scene, it was just another just another day for him, dragging another body, not realizing there's cops, you know, heading to the house. He was probably yeah. who knows. Tiny was probably confused, like, what's this? Yeah, because Tiny doesn't speak, so you don't even know if he's like aware of what's going on, or he's aware of the major circumstances that are surrounding him. So. I mean, I guess he dies because he goes back in the house when it's yeah. Why yeah? Why was that? Why did he give up his life? Well, I was I was a little thrown off by that. I can only presume that he wasn't really going to have much of a life because now his house is on fire, the family's on the run, most of his family members are dead. He, like you said, is going to draw so much attention to them because he's so big. Mm -hmm. Not by I mean, it is by design because he had a problem, but I, that's the only explanation I could come up with. Like, he wasn't going to have a life. So it's just like, why continue? I'm not in this game or he's not all about just randomly killing people. So fuck it. And then just kill hmm. them. That's the, I'm coming up with explanations. So what I could be saying could be right out of my ass. So. Yeah, I mean, there's, again, there's no explanation. We just, it's just a theory. Just a theory. And film ends with them 
being shot by cops and we presume they were dead until the third movie came out. Yeah. You know, Tommy Pickles is in this movie. The guy who played Tommy Pickles? Oh, well, uh, well, uh, what's her name? E.G. Daly, yeah. Yeah, she was one of the prostitutes. See, for, for a second, I thought you were referring to Stu Pickles. <laughs> I don't know why I thought Stu Pickles. Yeah, Stu Pickles was wearing a bra. <laughs> uh, well, let, Sales are down, Stu. Yes, sales. <laughs> I'm going to come up with something that's going to put uh, Pickles toys on the map. I'm going to wear a push-up bra. Uh, okay. Now, th- this is where Mr. Friend should have come. Mr. <laughs> Whatever the fuck that toy was, that little clown toy that Tommy Pickles was afraid of. Oh, God, yeah. Spalding would have fell in love with that toy. Oh, yeah. Or, or, or Boppo. <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been perfect. Like, have a, a Captain Spalding Boppo. Yeah, what the fuck is this thing? I can actually hear him say that. What the fuck is this fucking thing? Yes, we gotta talk about that one scene. Uh, people have made memes out of this. I'm so happy. Did I stutter, bitch? <laughs> Was that the one where um he's trying to steal her car? Yeah. Okay, that, now I remember that specifically. Did I stutter, bitch? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what did he say to the son? I forget the exact quote, but something about... Uh, he said, don't we, don't we make you laugh? Aren't I fucking funny? <laughs> you listen, little shit. <laughs> I'm going to come back down here. You better have a better answer. Or else I'm going to kill you and your entire family. <laughs> what an asshole. Get... <laughs> that is an asshole. By the way, that, that, um, that woman that he knocked out to steal her car. That is actress PJ Souls. She was in the original Halloween. She was a girl in bed. Oh, 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 uh, shit. What was her uh, the character name? I forget. I know who you're talking about, though. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with, um, what's that actress's name? The one where Otis starts, like, stripping and putting the gun down her panties. She was in Three's Company. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Why? Fuck me. I. Uh, I'm blanking on her name, so but yeah. We're so unprofessional not remembering these. I know. I feel <laughs> like you guys are a, a professional podcast. You should know this shit off the top of your head. Yeah. No, I, we do not know this shit off of our head. We don't know everything. And we know a lot, but not everything. Yeah, we. you expect us to be uh, geniuses. <laughs> okay. Uh, was, also, yeah. I was going to say, also, the, the girl from The Warriors, uh, Deborah Van, her last name, she was in this movie as well. She was also one of the prostitutes along with Tommy Pickles. Doesn't surprise me, because a lot of 70s references are here. Uh, that's Rob Zombie's forte. He's a big uh, 70s guy, so my mom used to always point that out when watching his films. Yeah, he yeah. As we mentioned in, in the prior pod episode, he cast a lot of actors. He grew up watching, and in a way, that's cool that he gives a lot of these actors who, again, you know, aren't doing much these little roles. I mean, it's not it's not distracting. It's not like you're casting like a Paulie Shore. Yeah, you're casting Sid Haig, who theoretically reinvented himself because of this film. Now he, he in doing this, playing Captain Spaulding. Now he has a a theme park attraction, a ride. Based off of his character. Uh, well, ride is a bit stretching. Well, well like I mean, I should, I mean, ride's not the right word, but like uh, an attraction. Yeah, it's, 
and his character's in there as well as the whole oh. main Firefly, so. Yeah. But yeah, that it did definitely revitalize his career because now he, well, uh, up until he passed away, he could go to like Wizard World and Comic Con and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So he had he basically more than likely making a killing just going to those conventions. Yes, I I, w- I would love to meet Sadeg. I mean, I mean, you know, if he was still here. Yeah, I definitely would have loved to have seen him, but unfortunately, that will not come to pass. Unfortunately, not. I believe that's all the casting that uh, that stood out. At least I were in this film. Uh, I'm trying to think of any others that were missing. I mean, I think we touched up on almost everything. Like our thoughts on the film, the uh, different direction that it went when it came to how the film was presented. Uh, I don't know what else we could talk about other than that. It just amazes me that he was able with a way to make a third film because this film made it seem like this was the end because i thought they were dead yeah i i thought so too because uh, after rewatching it i mean again that just ended with them shooting the police uh i did like the i like the freeze frame shots that he did especially in the opening beginning yeah he knows how to make a movie and that that is that was never the issue I, it, again it just always came down to the writing it's not it's not exposed here, not yet. It's not till his later project you realize that you you start to follow all the Rob Zombie tropes that became annoying, especially with Halloween, which we'll get into. Yeah, Halloween. Do we really need to touch up on that one? Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do, especially with the Halloween season coming up. Oh God. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. So, so what's our thoughts on this film? Final thoughts. Well, our final thoughts overall, I recommend it. It's again, it's it's filmed completely different than the first film. It it almost comes off as its own movie. It doesn't even have House of a Thousand Corpses two. So don't let the title fool you. This is a sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses. It's not like they don't acknowledge that. They do. They just didn't acknowledge it. Uh, hyping up the movie. Right. This is uh, Rob Zombie's second film. I thought he did a good job. Overall, you want to check it out? Ah, go check it out. Why not? Yeah, yeah. i give it a, a slight thumbs in the middle, thumbs up, I guess. Thumbs up, thumbs in the middle. I, I have, again, nothing negative to say, except, as we mentioned, uh, what happened to the characters, like Dr. Satan, everyone in the first film. Yeah, I'm just... That's, that, that's, that's my biggest take. Yeah, I'm super hung up on the idea that he just had no explanation for the disappearance of these characters. Just none. Yeah. So, uh, I, that that kind of brings the film down a little bit. Yeah. I still prefer House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, I still think that's, his, that's the best film he's ever done in his career. He didn't direct a lot of movies, Rob. He only directed a handful of films. Um. Well, yeah. So I would presume directing films is a lot of work. Yes, yes, it's a lot of work. And it's, it's so 2000 is 2020 only directed. I mean, we could we could eventually do time review all of his films. I mean, doing uh, Rob Zombie Month alone just covers more than half of his more, most of his work. Mm-hmm. So I think in due time we will cover all his movies. Um, but we're covering all his big stuff now. Unfortunately, this is the best it's going to get with Rob Zombie. With uh, we rated House for Thousand Corpses. We just talked about Devil's Rejects. This is where it goes down. 
it really goes to hell, like the three from hell. <laughs> oh, that will be our next review, fans. With that said, for Monoxide, I'm Terminator Travis. Uh, donate $1 to us at patreon.com slash chill and killing podcast. You can get access, full access to this episode and along with all our other past episodes. Uh, tune into our regular podcast, chill and killing podcast at spotify.com slash chill and killing podcast. Apple, uh, Spotify, just mentioned Google plus any streaming plot, almost any podcast streaming platform out there. You can find us. Or just but mostly go to Spotify. Donate to us at patreon.com. I'm tired. I'm about to go to bed. I got work in the morning. So do I. So tune into our next episode as we dive into the three from hell. Yeah.